Hey everyone, welcome to Emmanuel Fellowship's podcast. This is Pastor Trent, the founding pastor of Emmanuel Fellowship, a church in South Minneapolis that exists to serve our city and to live for God's glory. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We pray that this message encourages you to follow Jesus and to see his presence and power everywhere in your life. Hey church, Pastor Trent here. It is Sunday, August 2nd, and I wanna give you a little reflection um, on the armor of God, um, which is what we've been studying over the last several weeks. Um, and it seems like a fitting course of study for where we're at in Ephesians, where we're at in life and in our um, present culture. And um, so let me read to you again this wonderful passage. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You know, one of the things that I miss the most about summer, maybe probably miss about my childhood um, and teenage years, but especially summer this year, is tubing behind a boat. I don't know about you, but there seems to be something in the Minnesota experience of getting on a lake, a body of water, and having a, 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 a motor boat pull you around on an inner tube while you hang on for dear life. That is quintessential um, summer. And that was my childhood, and if it wasn't yours, I'd love to figure out how to make that possible because I don't think you can live the Minnesota life without it. Um, but um, there is something about tubing that just draws my heart, okay? It is in every way a battle in which you need to know the enemy. And contrary to what many people think, the enemy is not the waves, but the enemy is the whip. The whip that comes as this insane driver in the boat pulls you round and round and round on a lake, whipping you across the waters to try and toss you from your inner tube as you hang on for dear life. But not only do you need to understand the enemy's tactics, you also need to know how to position your body. It's all about weight, shifting where you stand or where you sit on the tube. And then, of course, it's all about grip. Can you grab a hold of the handle upon that inner tube and weather whatever the driver and the water throws your way? Now, certainly a far more playful parallel to the spiritual battle in which we face. But I think it's a helpful one you'll see in a minute. 
Um, over the last several weeks, we've looked at um, the call to commitment in these verses about the armor of God. To stand in the face of battle spiritually, we must have four things. And you see them in the armor that's listed here. We must have truth. We must have righteousness. We must have peace. And we must have faith. Those four attributes are paired with this armor, right? The, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the, the readiness of the shoes of peace, and a shield of faith. But now what we see is that we're going to turn towards the call to be equipped for the battle, which involves the helmet and the sword of the Spirit. What I want to do um, in our time together um, today is to ask the question, what's your best offense and defense in the spiritual battle? What's your best offense and defense in the spiritual battle? And the simple answer is this. It's to get a grip on the Word of God. To get a grip on the word of God is what Paul is encouraging us to hear as we consider the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the very word of God. In other words, in order to fight well, we must be people of the word. In order to fight well, we must be people of the word. Those who have a grip on the word of God. More on that hand and grip metaphor later on as we close. But before we get there, let's consider the helmet of salvation and take the helmet of salvation. The apostle Paul says the helmet here is probably um, similar to a Roman helmet, which was made of bronze and would sort of cover the head as well as part of the sides of the face and even a portion of the nose. Paul in prison, as he's writing this probably has a very visible picture of a Roman guard with a helmet in front of him. But it's not just his current setting that gives inspiration to these verses into the metaphor of the helmet of salvation. We see here that Paul has actually got a grip on the word in his circumstances and therefore is able to withstand the challenges of imprisonment and even to provide encouragement for God's people all across the region. He's drawing from Isaiah chapter 59. Let me read a good portion of it to you. Starting in verse 12, for our transgressions in Isaiah 49, 59 verse 12 are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us and we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. What's the point in verses 12 and 13? Well, that God's people have rebelled against his word. They have departed from God's word. And that's the very reason Isaiah presses that God has carried his people into exile as a means of judgment in God keeping his word, the covenant he made with them, but them disregarding God's word. And so in their rebellion against him, rebellion at its core is the departing the parting from God's word. What's the result that this brings? Justice, verse 14, is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public square and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it 
and it displeased him that there was no justice. The result of departing from God's word is deception, it's destruction, it's the oppression and the injustice that is probably one of the best pictures of our present moment in our country than any other in the scriptures. Justice turned back, truth nowhere to be found in the public square, those who press for uprightness are slammed and cannot enter, and in this environment, the Lord stands displeased. He was displeased with his people then. And I believe he's displeased with our nation now. The result of departing from God's word is deception and destruction of all of public life. Social ruin is the outcome. This is why God's word leads to flourishing and why rejection of it leads to frustration and to fighting. And then in verse 16, Oh, he, that's God, he saw there was no man and he wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then, oh, miracle of all miracles, then God, his own arm brought salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He, that's God, put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for his clothing. Vengeance, don't be scared of that, is simply the execution of justice, the proper sentencing against what is evil and criminal. And he wrapped himself with zeal as a cloak. Do you see how Paul is drawing from this language about the helmet of salvation? It is the rejection of the word of God that brought the need for salvation. And here we have in Isaiah the testimony that the fulfillment of the word of God is what brings salvation. In order to fight well, we need to be people of the word. In order to fight well, you must have a grip on God's word. Listen to Professor Snoddy. Klein Snodgrass says, In Isaiah, God strapped on a breastplate of righteousness and a helmet of salvation to bring righteousness and salvation. But in Ephesians, the believer puts them on to do righteousness and to receive salvation. God's salvation is the ultimate assurance of protection in the battle. We have nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is no fight. There is no threat. There is no enemy. There is no circumstance that can threaten the helmet of salvation which rests upon the believer in Christ. It is an incredible assurance of confidence in the midst of the battle. But not only the helmet of salvation, we are to be equipped with the sword of the Spirit, which is the very Word of God. The sword is that which empowers the Word, which pierces in the midst of the conflict. The way the language fits is that the source of power is the Spirit, the muscle and, and strong arm is the spirit moving and the word is the very sharp edge which penetrates and slices through all that is deceptive and all that is evil. This is the picture of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active 
sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Yes, that's you. You will give an account to God. But if everything in all of creation will account to God as well, that includes the angelic beings and the demons that run the very systems of evil and wickedness in our world. All of the enemy, the devil, Satan's legion of demons will be accounted by God's word. And here's what that means. That means Jesus shows us the model for how to use the sword. If you read the account of his temptation in the wilderness where Satan himself comes to tempt Jesus, what Jesus responds with is just brilliant. He quotes Deuteronomy to the devil. He quotes God's word to the one who is leading the rebellion against God's word. And then, then, even though this crafty, deceptive enemy should be silenced, he tries to twist and use God's word. And in response, Jesus offers another passage of Deuteronomy to the devil, which cuts through the crap that the devil seeks to tempt him with. It cuts the deceptive logic of the enemy to pieces. And of course, not just the words and phrases of the law Jesus has a grip upon. But the word, the re'ima, which of course points to repeatedly in the New Testament, the word of salvation, the message of the gospel itself. Jesus knew the story of salvation as presented in Ephesians, and he knew based on God's word that he was to fulfill and complete the work of salvation as the divine warrior put on the helmet of salvation and put in his hand the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus, the divine warrior, would stand in the battle and crush underfoot Satan's sin and death. And he was not only filled with the word of God as a model for us, but he was the very word of God embodied in the flesh. The proof that trusting God's word and getting a grip on it will carry you through the spiritual battle. For all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus, the New Testament says. And Jesus himself says, don't think I've come to abolish and do away with God's word, but to fulfill it. Family, in order to fight well, we need to be people of the word. We need to have a grip on God's word. And in order to have a grip on God's word, a simple tool that I learned in the early years of walking with Jesus I think will help us. It's called the word hand. It's a tool from the navigators, which is a ministry that emphasizes discipleship, discipling one another, and then discipling another, and a generation after generation of disciples that are made exponentially causing growth in God's kingdom. Here's what they say. The word of God, gripping it, takes five things, five means. First, they say as the pinky, hearing. Romans 10 verse 17 says, um, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hearing 
either through an audio version of the scriptures, the reading of the scriptures publicly, or someone else reading to you, or the teaching of the Bible as I'm doing to you now is one of the means by which you grab hold of God's word. But reading alone is, but hearing alone is not enough. You need reading. Reading actually increases your own comprehension and it gives you a greater biblical foundation of God's word. And if you've never read the Bible cover to cover, I want to encourage you to do that. You don't have to start tomorrow, but set out to do it. And not just to do it once, but to do it repeatedly throughout your life such that you may get a grip on the story of God in salvation. Three, studying. Studying takes greater time and effort, but it has a way of ingraining the truths of God's word even more deeply into our mind and heart. And then the pointer, the strongest of these four fingers, meditating. Sorry, memorizing. Memorizing, of course, gives you the greatest retention. If you sort of continue to practice and recall what you memorize, you have 100% retention of the very words and phrasing that are in the scriptures. But even those enough alone are not enough. The thumb. The thumb, of course, is key to our grip. The thumb in this simple picture is meditation. Meditation for many other approaches to spirituality and philosophy involves emptying the mind. A sort of calming that thinks about nothing and then let something come to mind there, or perhaps by emptying, finding a sense of peace. But in the Christian tradition, meditation is actually the filling of the mind. What's needed not is for us to be empty, but for us to be full. We need to be filled and then turning over in our mind in a way that grabs, chews, digests God's word so that we can hold on to it. This is the encouragement from Ephesians chapter 6, that to be equipped for the battle, you need to grab hold of God's word. Like a sword, grabbing hold of it, so that with the helmet and with the sword, you may have the equipment needed to wage war and to stand in the battle. I wonder, which of these, whether it's hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, do you feel the pull of the Holy Spirit prompting you to take up? Or perhaps maybe you need to consider how you'll start one of these practices this week or how this month you'll continue in one of those practices in a way that allows you to grab hold of the truth of God's word and stand in the spiritual battle that you face day in and day out in the world of conflict in which we live. The good news, of course, is that Jesus, your divine warrior, has won the war and he has equipped you for the battle. Jesus, we praise you as the victorious one. Christus Victor is in Latin what theologians have said throughout history to describe you and your triumph. May we trust that you have won and have put underfoot Satan, sin, and death and will one day bring all of the conflict to a peaceful close in which Righteousness and justice prevail. May you give us strength to grab hold of your word, to put on the helmet of salvation, and to be ready with 
the sword of the Spirit in all circumstances. We pray for this in your name. Amen.